Welcome back to Casting Nets Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Will Harley. I am here uh, with Don Winsberger, and we have an opportunity once again to gather and uh, chew the fat as we continue our look at the unaltered Augsburg Confession. As we have been gathering, um, I just got back from a conference, and, and Don has just gotten back from aggravations of COVID uh, running rampant. Um, I, I just heard from our conversations that uh, COVID was streaking down in, in your neighborhood. Um, and so uh, uh, hopefully people are staying inside so they don't have to have to confront that. We're trying to get the pants back on it. Get the pants back, put the lid back on it and get it contained. Um, well, you said it was streaking. <laughs> it was streaking. <laughs> well, you know, that's what COVID causes, some streaking. So, <laughs> you know, you know kind of on a, not a semi-related matter, maybe not, but you know how I like to stretch things. Uh, you so graciously informed me a few minutes ago that we have seven over 70 listeners, listeners from the country of Ireland. 75. 75. And I, I mean, uh, I want to, I, well, hey, since when have I been correct on politically correct on anything or, or proper or not stretch things? But it, uh, I want to thank our listeners from Ireland for listening to us and putting up with us. This is just a request, and I don't know how to do this legally. Um, but uh, uh, if any of you really appreciate us and know that both Will and I really, really have a taste for Jameson whiskey, um, if you you can't legally send it to South Dakota, but I'm pretty sure you can ship alcoholic beverage to Wisconsin. So if you'd want to send it Pastor Harley's way, um, personal message him and he'll give you his address. And I will make sure that I share it. I, I will share it with with Don. We'll we'll both enjoy a good Jameson. And and for those um, just in Ireland, you know, if you want to enjoy a, a Guinness while you listen to our ramblings or a harp, uh, by all means, uh, maybe maybe two or three after the first one, it'll all sound better. Um, I would I, have to think three Guinnesses would make us sound a whole lot more logical. Oh, and and intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, um, pretty much, uh, I want to say a shout out or a thank you to uh, a couple of listeners who have, have contacted me um, since we've started this discussion on the Augsburg Confession and uh, have wanted to express thank you to us for um, and sort of encouraging them to get back in and reading it for the first time or, or at least reading it again in a time that they, they couldn't remember a lot of what was going on. So um, I, hopefully this has driven you back to, to look at your Augsburg Confession or, or find it online and, and give it a peruse. And uh, until then, well, for, for more things, oh, and we have, uh, uh, he's being waved in front of the camera, the Augsburg Confession you can get from, from MPH. I want to do, do a little commercial here just on behalf of our, our, our Synod Publishing House. Um, I think this is this is something that's under five dollars. If you don't want to purchase for yourself an entire book of Concord, which I would recommend to do anyway, but this is a little paperback version, eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper bound, uh, and it's just the unaltered Augsburg Confession. And if I remember correctly, I think I paid five dollars for this. So check out uh, um, NPH online. Um, if you're interested in that, it's, 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 let's put it this way. It's $5 well spent. NPH.net is the, is the, 
the website for for Northwestern Publishing House. Um, so before we jump on into the the topic, which which could run us all over uh, God's green earth and back again uh, for today, we do want to give a disclaimer that uh, the things that we say and do don't necessarily reflect our calling bodies and the synod in which we are a part. Um, and if you do not like the things that we have to say, if you don't like the attitude that we are sharing or the words that we are expressing, um, you know, you are an adult. Um, do what adults do. Um, don't go out and riot. Don't go out and picket. Um, that's not what adults do. We just turn things off and ignore them. So if, if we do offend you, please turn us off. Uh, but if you'd like to have a conversation, please uh, let's have a conversation and then we'll sit down and we can always talk more. Uh, so without further ado, um, and before we jump on into our, our talk about original sin, free will, and uh, um, all this wonderful goodness that's found here within an article, what are we doing? Article 2, Article 18, and Article 19, right? Those are the ones. Um, then we'll have some intro music, and we'll we'll head out. It's good to have a little bit of a variation in your music. One because you know I I, I put a dish, I switched my buttons around and I clicked the wrong button. But two, because every now and then when you talk about certain topics, you get very upset. And and heavy rock or, or metal music they say is is good for raising the blood pressure. So something to calm well, us down. I was just thinking that especially for Article Two and Article Nineteen here in the Oxford Confession, I really thought that uh, that. Uh, music from my favorite rock and roll band would have been appropriate for this one um acd's highway to hell would be very very appropriate for 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 uh this today but would you would you let me indulge myself and and read these two short articles so it gives us a bit of context for what we're talking about today absolutely go for it Uh, article two original sin Our churches teach that since the fall of Adam, all who are naturally born are born with sin. That is, without the fear of God, without trust in God, and with the inclination to sin called concupiscence. Concupiscence is a disease and original vice that is truly sin. It damns and brings eternal death on those who are not born anew through baptism and the Holy Spirit. Our churches condemn the Pelagians and others who deny that original depravity is sin, thus obscuring the glory of Christ's merit and benefits. Pelagians argue that a person can be justified before God by his own strength and reason. Article 19, The Cause of Sin. Our churches teach that although God creates and preserves nature, the cause of sin is located in the will of the wicked, that is, the devil and ungodly people. Without God's help, this will turns itself away from God. As Christ says, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. John 8, verse 44. And there we have that those two little excerpts from the Augsburg Confession. 
And 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 we are going to talk. I would I would hope we talk a little bit about Article 18, but that's a little bit longer to read, and and so it probably would be a, a good thing for our dear listener to to go and look that up on their own. But we will talk about that in in reference point because I think it fits in. Article 18 is is the reference of the free will and sort of uh, what is this thing that that is free will or like we call free will. And- didn't we have a podcast on free will, on the bondage of the will? We did. That was uh, the book by Martin Luther, and that's why we're not taking the time to really read this article, um, because it would be sort of rehashing some of what we had already had stated. Um, but it's good for them to maybe brush up on on what it says, and, and they'd be able to, to, to sort of sprint up to us in our conversation. Um, so original sin, right? Uh, this, this thing that is plaguing everybody since the fall, this thing that... Um, that really takes the blame um, off of God and and puts it back squarely on the on the ones who deserve it, uh, sin uh, or Satan and ourselves, um, and and so this original sin thing. Uh, all I can say to maybe start off and, and and spur this conversation on a little bit is um, society, people in general, um, modern Christianity especially. Uh, has a problem with original sin. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to start out with a little bit of history. If you, if some of our listeners were with us back in December and we did our podcast on St. Nicholas of Myra, um, and, uh, um, and actually I wish Pelagius would have been around for St. Nicholas to slap him too. But that's just another that that's just my take on history. <laughs> you know, I, I think um, some of our people might not know who Pelagius is, and so we might we might want to do a little explanation about Pelagius. But along in there, we might want to add in, uh, Don, um, maybe a little bit of an idea of what semi-Pelagianism is, because I think that is running more rampant in churches today than, than maybe outright Pelagianism. Um, and, and so maybe... Maybe why don't you give us a little bit of an idea of Pelagianism? Um, since you're going to get me on my discussion of closet Catholics, aren't you? I'm I'm hoping, and since you brought it up, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, Pelagius. Pelagius was one who said that you can cooperate in your salvation. If, actually, um, if I remember correctly, Pelagian. Pelagius said, um, um, said, er, said this, and forgive me here as I'm just kind of looking here in my notes um, um, on exactly what um, on exactly what Pelagius said. And and will forgive me if I'm a little bit incorrect about this. Pelagius argued that a person can be justified before God by his own strength and reason. Where basically he's talking about uh, uh, full cooperation in salvation. Yeah, full power. Um, I, I think a better way of saying it, or the way that Luther would probably say it, is 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 full blown Pelagian uh, uh, Pelagianism, or or as Pelagius would say it, is that that the will was free to choose that which is holy. Yes. And you see, and so let's just, just to break this down and maybe to put it, uh, to put it or, or to help our, our listeners today, 
have it be practical, practical or put it into a modern setting. What would be an example of full-blown full blown Pelagianism today in religious circles? Um, today in religious circles, the, the um, idea of full-blown Pelagianism would be Mormonism, or um, I'm sorry, and I apologize, it's uh, LDS, Church of Latter-day Saints. Um, they would okay. probably be the best illustration of what full-blown Pelagianism would be and, and in the religious setting. Um, not Christian, but religious setting. And so, and so, what you'd have there in in the three and so Pelagianism in the LDS setting would be this: um, that I can work myself up to being God and save myself and be. And, and this year, I think we're going to be starting a whole other podcast, maybe having to have this on LDS and and whatever. But that's basically what they say: they can become God. Well, isn't and and I'm and and if there's any LDS listeners out there, um, you by certainly can can correct me on it. But isn't one of the the tenets, um, or mantras that is said was what God once was, man can become. Right, exactly. I was going to, and that and that's a paraphrase. I'm sure, uh, unless that I, I I have not written or read all of their material to know a hundred percent. But but that is a, basically the idea of Pelagianism, right? Um, that I can work myself. Um, I can do good works that God would look at and say, well done, good and faithful servant. These are, these are praiseworthy things, um, good for, for earning your way to heaven, um, all on my own, according to my own will and my own power. Now, St. Augustine what, went against that. Yes. And would another, maybe another example here, would, not, would Unitarianism be, which is not Christian, would unit wouldn't unitarianism be full blown Pelagianism as well? You know, I would probably say semi Pelagius, um, which is another conversation. Um, mostly because Unitarianism believes that all religions are are valid religions. Um, and unless I'm 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 kind of off the base of that. Unitarian universalists say hell is going to be empty. Yeah. So that would full blown Pelagianism. Right. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, anybody who says hell will be empty because you can work your way, um, would be a full blown Pelagianism. Semi Pelagianism would probably be the Catholic church. Um, and would probably be, be a many from your reformed branches, um, which, and I would say that, and, and dear listener, I'm, I'm going to backpedal just a little bit. I'm going to say that tongue in cheek, maybe not every single reformed branch. Um, I, I have I have talked with many people who are from Reformed, and I, I get varied opinions. Um, and there are some who do believe that it is in Christ and Christ alone that one is saved, and by nothing that they do. And then there are others who who it's um, it's sort of they're drinking the Kool Aid of Jesus plus. Um, well, and, and that's semi Pelagianism. And keep in mind here, too, listeners, when we talk about the Reformed, we're not talking about every individual in that. In, in that church, in those church bodies, we're talking about the church bodies now. Right. And I would respectfully, well, actually, I can't. I, I would respect. I respectfully disagree with you on maybe one percent of that. Um, you actually have some areas of the Presbyterian Church that actually are more Lutheran than they are Reformed. Right. And they would believe in in Christ alone, and they would they and in an infant baptism. Oh yeah, and the use of the sacraments. 
Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but I think this is where this is where this conversation comes around. So you have just to give you a kind of a, a, a um a running start to to what we're talking about here. Um it, okay, the scriptures teach original sin. Um in other words, uh, God created us to be um um perfect. He created us to to have this ability not to sin. Um and when we fell into sin, when we chose sin over 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 our Lord, um, we lost that ability not to sin. That's what original sin is. Um, it's this ability not to the ability not not to sin. That's a double double negative. So in other words, all we can do is sin. Well, that doesn't sound very good to the human ears. It doesn't sound very good to to people who have a high anthropology, of, of people who think very but, highly but, of mankind. Pastor, there's a bit of good in everybody. Well, and that would be the high anthropology, right? Um, that's that's people who think that that because we are who we are, or they'll even say because we are made in the image of God, therefore there's something good in us innately, um, something that was already there that we can work on and we can fan those flames and we can um, uh, kind of make our way uh, into God's good grace. And and this was pretty much Pelagius's. Um, claim his and it's it's it comes back around it it's very similar to Arianism in in many senses of the word uh, at least how they approach some of the things but this idea of Pelagius is is the human will can embrace that spark of goodness the human will um, free will can embrace this idea that I can work towards God later on in the after after Saint Augustine of Hippo um, led the charge in, in in declaring this a heresy and proving by scripture it is a heresy um, the Catholic Church and and like we have said some some of the other reformed congregations or most of them um, also then embraced the idea of what was called semi-pelagianism where where it's sort of a hand-in-hand working right um, uh, between God and and people that when God when we were born God gave us this infused grace right this this little bit of goodness that allows us to sort of start the process uh, to work towards towards doing these things and that's a semi-pelagianism which is is still just as damning still just as as dangerous because uh, as Augustine had said to Pelagius so many times ago, uh, uh, so many thousands of years ago, that that by denying that we are sinners in need of a Savior, you deny the divinity and the need for Christ. Um, you you deny really what what Christ was needed to do, and and so you know as the old saying goes, um, you know if if Christ is is if Christ is implied, Christ is is denied. And, and if you're saying, I don't need Christ, you're outright denying him. If you say, I only need a little bit of Christ, but I won't call it Christ, I'll say, you know, this infused grace or whatever, then you deny Christ too. You look at where, 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 it, take, where it takes these things. And actually, the article on original sin and uh, um, the cause of sin, it really is, we're looking at this here, and you got that Pelagianism. This is something that's so important, and I was just looking. I, I know it's on my shelf here someplace, and maybe I, I'm, I don't know. Anyway, it's not important. It, there's a book I've had on my shelf for a long time, and I've read it because I had one of I had a former member back when I was in Minnesota ask me to read it. Um, it was a book that was going around among her reformed friends in Christian reformed country in Southwest Minnesota, and it was called uh, 28 Minutes in Hell." 
And uh, no, it's not a book about what it's like to sit through one of Pastor Harley's sermons. Um, <laughs> it's actually uh, it's actually a book that was written by a a Baptist preacher. Oh, actually, here it is. It's actually 23 minutes in hell. It was sitting on my floor. Uh, and, Does it uh, help keeping your uh, desk up? Um, and I'm not recommending anybody to read it. Um, it was this Baptist preacher that had uh, that had a near-death experience, and instead of view- viewing heaven, uh, going to heaven, he went to hell. Um, which should uh, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Anyway, uh, the point that he made, one of the things that just really stuck out in the book that jumped out at me and really rubbed me the wrong way as he was describing hell. He made gave this description and he made a point to 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 he made a point to really emphasize this. And he said there were no children or babies in hell. And uh, uh, and and then, of course, you see his reformed his reformed theology really, really coming out in this. And I am not endorsing this book. And I don't and, and I'm actually I'm actually going to come out and say beyond the firm resolve that this man's experience was was a hallucination driven by his own beliefs but that's a whole other topic um but the point here was okay and the reason he gave okay because babies aren't born with sin this is this is typical reformed theology that 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 if a baby dies or a person a person dies before you get to that age of accountability which scripture says nothing about, you go straight to heaven. And they basically, this was what it goes. It te- and this is the danger of it. When you deny original sin, you're teaching a salvation apart from, you're teaching a salvation apart from Christ. Well, absolutely. Um, and be, because now, and, and this is where, and this is where, where, where many Christians in the reformed camp, Protestant camp would, would argue us. They say, well, no, we're not because we're teaching that, that Christ still needed to, to die for our sins. But here's the, here's the thing. If there is, if there's any shadow of a doubt, if, if, there, if, if God did not do everything, then God did nothing. Right. I mean, essentially, that's what it. If he if he does not if he does not do everything and does not carry the burden of everything, then he has done nothing, and and, and that's really what they're saying. They're saying, I mean, you could even say, well, you know, he did ninety nine point nine percent, but I have to have that point one percent of of accepting that into my heart. Well, then it's like, and, why would God say? It's like saying it's like saying to it's like saying to any parent. And here, I'm just going to give you this illustration, and then I'll let you speak, Don, because I know you have a very good point to make. But here's this illustration: the, the, the illustration that I would have is, okay, you know what? I I have I I know for a fact, I know for a fact that my child is going to touch that burning hot stove. I know for a fact he's going to do it. I'm standing right next to him. I'm prepared to grab him and pull him away, but I don't do it as he's reaching towards that flame because he never asked. What kind of a father would I be if I had all the tools, I have done everything to make sure I could rip him from the flames and keep him safe, but I didn't do it because he didn't ask. That is that is the best that is that is the best illustration you give 
that, that you can give on that and talk. And that is, I mean, and a, the best scriptural illustration or best illustration on the scriptural teaching of God is love. Yeah. Yeah. And he's loved us so much. He has done it all and claimed you without yeah. anything you've done because you needed him to. And I want, you know, as it, again, being fair and wanting to approach this, approach this from, from, from various directions to, to, you know, to, you know, because we're not just picking on, not picking on, on just the reform here. This is something that that's difficult uh, for, for confessional Lutherans to, to grasp, especially when it gets personal. Uh, quite a few years ago in one of my Bible studies, a uh, wonderful lady who's with, been with, who's with the Lord now, um, we're, we're, we're going through this, it, we're going through a review of the catechism, we're going through original sin, we're going through a discussion of this word concupiscence, okay? Um, and I remember, you know, using, you know, many different sections of scripture on this, uh, you know, uh, uh, the imagination of, of mankind is only evil uh, all the time. There is no one who does good, not even one. Um, Jesus himself speaking when when one of the when one of the Pharisees came up to him, called him good teacher, and Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. Or in Genesis, or in Genesis, right, where he says, All the inclinations of man's heart is evil. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and I remember talking, I remember as we're in Bi going through in Bible study and making, emphasizing very heavily, there is no good in anyone, only in God. And and in a troubling, this lady going, Pastor, but there's a little bit of good in everybody. Pastor, you did, I mean, you, and she says, Pastor, you can't say that. She goes, you're, she says, you're a, she says, you're a bitter man to say, that there's not that there's not that there's that there isn't good in everybody. There is a little bit of good in everyone, she said. And I said to her, I said, Amy, I said, you are taking the view of the world. And I said, uh, and and I said, you, it, it is not what God says. It is not what Scripture says. Long story short, with this wonderful woman, the reason I found out, and I mean, she was upset with me, angry with me. This, and she said, "Pastor, if you keep this up, I'm not coming back to Bible study." And so, sitting down and visiting with her personally, actually found out why this was such an emotional thing for her. She had a daughter that had fallen away, and was now a professed atheist. And so, mom's trying to comfort herself. There's still a little bit of good in my, uh, not necessarily saying there's still a bit of good in my daughter, but wanting to hold out hope that there was hope for her daughter. Now, there, those are two different things. There's no, there was no good in her daughter. There's no good in you and in, 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 in any human being. But there is hope because of the gospel and the working of the Holy Spirit using the means of grace. Absolutely. And I think this is one of those times, uh, Don, that we want to to maybe bring in that that Article 18, which was a little bit longer, and we didn't read it. Um, but I but I think we might want to bring that in just just a little bit and read just a small portion. I'm going to read the first first paragraph of it, and that is: Our churches teach that a person's will has some freedom to choose civil righteousness 
and to do things subject to reason. It has no power without the Holy Spirit to work the righteousness of God that is spiritual righteousness. For the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 2.14. The righteousness is worked in the heart when the Holy Spirit is received through the Word. Um, and I think that's that's really what we're saying, right? So you have yeah. you have these two differences, and I think this is where we confuse this, dear listener. And and we all do this. And I'm not the only. You're not the only one. I'm not the only one. We all do this. We look at people in the world and we say, but they do so many nice things. We look at somebody who gives over money, so that's a, for a humanitarian effort, and they get maybe you know they get their name on the, on the side of a of 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 a wing of a hospital or whatever you might want to say. But, but what we see here is, is you see these people who do all these nice humanitarian things, right? We see people who want to help, these people who, who are, are going out of their way to help rebuild towns or going out of their way to help their neighbor or, or do some shopping for, for the elderly or, you know, helping them cross the road or getting the cat out of the tree, whatever the case may be. Um, but, but, but what you see is, is you look at that and you, you'd say, but those are good things. And they are dear listener. Those are good things. But what we are saying is on a more fundamental level, uh, a fundamental level. And that's, that's really where we have to start looking. We want as, as people to look at the surface and say, this thing equals this thing. And that must be good. But God looks at a much deeper level and he says, okay, and here's the best way I explain it to my kids. He says, okay, I'm going to give you a mold. And the original mold was Adam and Eve, okay? And the original mold of Adam and Eve was created without a blemish. It was perfect. It was spotless. Anything that was put into that mold would come out exactly like the mold was originally. But they fell into sin. So it's like taking that mold and dropping it on the floor. And now it cracks. And now it's and dirty. his own image. Right. And now it's not the image of the creator. It's in a different image, one that's cracked and imperfect. Anything put into that mold, no matter how good the materials are, no matter how wonderful that jello might taste, it's still going to have a crack in the final product because the mold was cracked. And so and it, go on. And there's still a process like the, and there's still a process with that that goes further. It's like the snowball rolling down the hill, gathering steam and mass and size. Um, you know, just been going through this in confirmation class right now out here um, as we're using Bible history um, to teach to teach doctrine as well. But starting out just with creation, and you look at with the fall into sin, original sin, and you look at the effects of of orig- of, of the sin of origin being passed down from parent to child between in the first nine chapters of Genesis, which very possibly is, is, is about, um, is, is only a millennia in the history of the world. Okay. In those first thousand years you have, I mean, and you see how quickly that just explodes and what it does to, to humanity from, from, uh, from brother killing brother to in a period of, 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 of around 900 years, you have an entire world, okay, an entire world sin having such a foothold and, and ravaging so much that you have only eight believers left in, in a, a world population that could have, don't know what the world population was, but very well could have numbered easily a billion people. 
Well, and, and, and here, here's a good way to understand how this works, dear listener. We talked about the mold. That's a good explanation. But, but here's one that you can actually do um, in your church library or your church, uh, your church office. Take a, take a nice, pristine copy of a magazine article. And all I want you to do is, is you get a beautiful picture out of that magazine, and I want you to make a copy of it in the copy machine. And you make that first copy, and it, it looks all right. It's, it's, it's passable. It's decent. But then I want you to take that copy with its imperfections because it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like the original anymore. It's not perfect. Keep making copies of that. And keep making copies of that and copies of that. And co- always taking the next copy that you made and copy it again and again and again and again. And eventually you've deteriorated the picture to, so, to such an extent all it is is black blobs because you've, you've taken the imperfections and you manifest those imperfections as you go down further and further down the line. And this is what, this is what the, the, the reformers are talking about. This is what our, um, the scriptures are talking about with original sin is, is we carry on this guilt, right? We carry the original shame and the original guilt of losing the image of our Lord. And then it just more copies are made. And then we add to that our own sin, our own guilt, our own shame, and it just becomes worse and worse and worse and worse. And this is what original sin is, and you can't, you can't avoid it. You, 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 can't, you can't move yourself around it. Now, now the discussion that, that is, is something that needs to be discussed is how ingrained is this into who we are? And, and I think that's something that we need to talk about. And it, it, you know, it is, it's, it, 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 it's, it's ingrained. It's something that will not be removed until the Lord takes us, takes us to eternal glory. You know, it, it, you know, to use a, a, another picture of this, it's so ingrained and it's so ingrained of our thinking. And it's a reason, it's something that we bat our sinful nature, this sin original sin is something that we battle with every single day. Um, because once again, it comes to Jesus, and I'm, I'll use this illustration, maybe to use a little bit of humor. Uh, and if you don't think it's funny, that's okay too, because my wife says I'm not the comedian I think I am either. But, <laughs> but the, the point is, is we have a Christian, we have a Christian hymn that that Christians across denominations just love and love to sing, and it's the it's the hymn "How Great Thou Art." I um, mean, it is. It's a beautiful. It, it's a beautiful hymn. It's a wonderful hymn, espousing the the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of our Savior Jesus, the love of God, um, and how much we need it. While we love singing that, our sinful nature really loves singing this: "How great I am." It's not how it has. It does. The sinful nature does not want to sing "How great Thou art." It wants to sing how great I am. And this is the battle that goes on every day. This is how, how, how ingrained how great I am is in every human being, including the Christian, because we have a sinful nature. Oh, absolutely. And it goes even, and, 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 it, and it explodes its way out because we, we talked about that free will, right? And, and that free will grabs hold of that idea of how great I am and uses that external ability that we we have to do decent things uses that external ability and points to it and says look at me look at what i have done and and look how good i am see this reinforces how good i am because look at these things all, all our as isaiah says all our righteous acts are filthy rags absolutely now now please 
we want to take a step back from not because we don't want to tell you the truth, but because what we want to make very, very clear is, is that we aren't saying that they aren't good things to do. We, we didn't say that. What we're saying is that when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to what is going to open up the pearly gates to heaven uh, when you leave this world, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your good things that, that you perceive or think that you've done. And that's because, uh, going all the way back, the main problem still exists. The mold is broken. The, 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 the main, you as a person in your core are diseased as I am. And, and until that gets repaired, until that gets fixed, there is no hope because everything is tainted with it, right? Everything we do has got that, that pall over it. I want to use an illustration from my brother-in-law that, uh, that he, that I shared with him when he got married. That's it's actually, it, and I shared with him during his wedding sermon, and, and he shared with me when I got married to remind it. This is anyway, and this was something he said, kind of being a Weisenheimer, but it does apply in, in, in this area in our relationship with God. I'm going to say it this way: What's mine is His, what's His is His, and what I think is mine is His. <laughs> I can see and why that, you would use that for your wedding. And, you know, and that's actually because I, I told my wife this. What's, what's mine? What's, what's, what's mine is yours. What's yours is yours. And what I think is mine is yours. But this really applies. This really applies in our relation, our, our matter, our spiritual relationship with God. What's mine is his. What's his is his. And what I think is mine is his. Absolutely. It all goes back to him. Everything. It's all his or nothing. Right. It's all here or nothing. And, 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 and that's what Luther would say, you know, as he would sum up talking about this, he would say, um, you know, it is Christ from first to last. And, yes. and it has to be Christ from first to last. Um, and, and this is the beauty of, 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 of really understanding original sin. And, and the reason why it's such an important factor is, is as we understand original sin, we understand the balm that Christ is. Um, you know, the, there's a balm in Gilead, a beautiful hymn, right? A balm in Gilead that's, that soothes the sin-sick soul. Um, it's the, Christ is what covers that sickness. Um, it, throughout the scriptures, we talk about being clothed with Christ. Why do we need to be clothed with Christ? Uh, we, we've kind of, and maybe it's just me, but I think we've lost that terminology in the church today. How many times do you hear, well, Jesus walks beside me, right? Jesus is my best friend. Talk about Jesus as he is. He is the one who clothed us. We are clothed in him. Talk about him as, as John the Baptist did. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What do you think the Lamb was supposed to do? Now, that is a very Passover-type uh, uh, reference. He is going to die and his blood is going to cover you. Because if, if God looks at you the way that you are, what he sees is this original sin and the sins that you keep adding to it. Um, and so... You know, I, I'm all for, you know, everybody who loves Jesus as their friend. Okay, yep, I, I know there's reference to that in Scripture too. But how much more are there references to him as as a sacrifice, right? How much more is there the, the image of his blood being sprinkled on the mercy seat? How much more is the image of the lamb that is slain to cover us 
um, so that so that death passes over. How much more is is the the language of the baptism um, a liturgy that we are clothed, put to death with Christ, raised to new life in Him? Um, I mean that is. That is uh, um, some beautiful stuff right there. The robe of righteousness that we wear, that's his robe, not our robe. Um, and, and I think that's some, that's some beautiful, more beautiful terminology, I think, when you, when you, when you really are, are talking to somebody who, who has a problem with, with the idea and the concept of original sin. You know, and it goes in that, in that and I'd like, I appreciate you, the fact that, you know, that... Uh, it, here again is the tendency of the of the of the human nature wanting to focus on one aspect of how God reveals Himself to us instead of looking at the entire beautiful picture. It's like my father saying to me, and your dad said the same thing to you when you were little. I'm your dad, not your friend. Yeah, and it didn't mean that our dads didn't like us or love us, but they realized the relationship. And the responsibility um, there, and it and it's the same way in our relationship with with Christ. When Jesus, you know, was Jesus his was Jesus his disciples friend, indeed. But that they go around laying having that they go around twenty four hours a day having a happy hug fest, um, and 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 and, and, and just focusing on that. During Jesus' three years ministry, three year ministry, by no means. Oh yeah, or 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 just go to the very end, and you see Timothy, um, uh, or sorry, doubting Thomas. You see Thomas, and and he doesn't when he sees Jesus for the first time after he finds out that he's true. He doesn't say, "Buddy, I'm so happy you're here." He says, "My Lord and my God." Um, you know, were they friends? Yeah, they're friends. Um, but that wasn't the that wasn't the relationship that is emphasized. The relationship that is emphasized is my Lord and my God, the one who died and rose again for me. Um, you know, the, the one who who says, "I did not come to abolish the law, but to complete it." Well, notice Jesus' inner circle too, with the with the with three the three Peter, James, and John. Um, Peter. Jesus, whom Jesus loved, loved, and even used that word. Um, that word, that that word of friendship, uh, with him um, later on. But the point was that same person he called said, "Get behind me, Satan." Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, James and John, um, who once again were very close, where Jesus had a, a closer relationship with them um, than 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 with the others. I mean, you know, humanly speaking, um, what is you know uh, when they come to him and said when they when they send their mom to him. Or, or, you know, you know, once again, uh, you know, can they have each have a, a, a throne on, on each side of you in the kingdom? And then, you know, actually, they're they're all eager and working with him. And, 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 and they're so eager. And when they come back from rejection, they go, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? On, uh, uh, well, well, no. And he could have just bat- bopped them each up against the head. But you know what? He in, he uses a sense of humor, but he's firm with them and then gives them a nickname, which I wonder how many times he used with them. If I think the Lord had a sense of humor. What does surprise me if he would have brought it up daily with them? Gives them the nickname Sons of Thunder. Yeah. Just to highlight their attitude. Yes. <laughs> but, th- but that's the beauty yeah. of our Lord, right? Yes. And so, but you, I mean, it, it's such, it's such a rich mosaic 
and and uh, of 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 our Lord and His love and all the aspects. And it's our sinful human nature to want to focus in on just one. Yes. And yes, Jesus is our friend. But you know what? There's so much more to that. You know what? My wife is my friend, but that's not the only aspect of our relationship. In fact, that's it's a. a- it's an important one, but there are so many more aspects to it. And that's a smaller aspect compared to the yes. rest. Yes. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, one of those things is is every now and then, you know, you, you go back into the book of Leviticus and you read about the the ceremonial laws and you read about the the civil laws that the people had and and you walk away with that saying, Okay, I get it. Um, we have all these laws that we would never be able to uh, to accomplish. God you're proving your point, we are sinners. But I think also within there you see you see Christ, right? Because Christ kept everyone. You you see you see in the ceremonial laws of of the people coming to give their sacrifice for sin and the whole family touching the animal, the animal living with them before they take it to the to 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 be sacrificed, so that there's this transmission of sin. And though temporary in the Old Testament, you you see it play out better um, with Christ, right? Uh, Christ is the full payment for all time and for all people. Um, I, you know what? We can, we can really be hammering this home and talk about this forever and ever, because this is, this is something that keeps coming back. I think, I think the point, because we're going to be talking more about this as we, we move our way through, through the Augsburg confession in some way, shape or form. We do want to highlight, we are all born with original sin. It, it is, it is, it is a disease that is so ingrained in us. Now it, it is not a part of us to the point where if it was gone, we would no longer be us. Because we see Jesus and he's without sin. But it is a part of who we are to the point that we cannot get rid of it on our own. And we are born with this and, and it continues to infest us and it continues to, to lead us down poor choices and, and bad ideas and, and horrible reactions. And so we see a need for Christ in the fact that we are born these sinners. Um, and what we've been, and what we, we haven't been dancing around with it, but just really to maybe put the the final tack in the post in the bulletin board here today is this really one thing is with, with, when we, when we're looking at the Augsburg confession, and this is something that, uh, that we, that was emphasized when we studied this, when we went to seminary, it's something that was emphasized at the time it was written among Luther and the reformers is that every single one of these articles that we'll be discussing and that are outlined in the Augsburg confession rest on one on the chief article which is the chief article is the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ. And, and, uh, and, and, and every other, every other in this, this, this article and every other article in the Augsburg confession, the, these articles of faith, they all rest, they all rest on that, on that justification by faith alone. And that's why this is so important. And this is what we're actually coming back to as we look at this. This is why this article is so important. Because because if you if you if you deny it, it takes away from the chief article. Justification by faith alone in Christ. Well and 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 it strips all purpose of why Christ was there. Yes. What is yes. what is Christ's purpose if I'm okay? Um and and if I if I have nothing to worry about. And well, if I'm okay, or if there's, if I can do something to cooperate in my salvation, why do I need Jesus? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, which will come up in semi-Pelagianism and Roman Catholicism. Well, actually, then give me purgatory, and I'll eventually get there. 
yeah, give me long enough to work it off and I can work my way there. Um, and, and, uh, if we all band together and, and, and really eventually in the, in, in later on when he talks about the monasteries, that's what he talks about too, right? That we disavow that monks can work for someone else's, uh, do works of super irrigation as they called it to, to help work people out of purgatory. Um, you know, this is not something we can do. And another, probably should save this for that point, maybe a good point to end on, get everybody riled up, um, to, to, the, uh, the idiocy to think that a monastery could work good works for other people. If you've ever been to a monastery that's been closed and traveled through it, you'll see why they couldn't do anything to help anybody else. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> that We'll save that one for when we talk about monasteries. Um, and then we can talk about barefoot monks. But until then, until then, um, next week we get to talk about my favorite hymn. Yeah. We get to talk about, actually, that's what we get to talk about next week. We get to talk about Jesus. So, uh, um, come back next week. If you haven't heard enough about Jesus, um, we will fill your ears with, with all sorts of talk about Jesus next week. And, uh, we will, we will not be shy in in sharing him. And so until then, um, I'm done. Please don't forget about the Jameson for our listeners in Ireland or anybody here who would like to show their gratitude. Yeah. We would love we it. Won't, we won't turn down a donation from anybody in the States either. <laughs> With that, God's blessings.